Iron stone. Mold. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is entertainment news. And it's, you guessed it, an update on Fat Bear Week. <laughs> I didn't guess it, but now I know. <laughs> uh, the winner has been decided. Um. Oh. Yeah, because they, they only ran the voting was, for one week. Yeah, I didn't realize it was happening so fast. Well, actually, wait. I didn't even vote. It was vote. even lit. Yeah, actually, I didn't even vote either. That always makes me feel guilty. They started the voting before our episode even came out last week. Oh. And it ended on Tuesday. Oh. So it was a very small window. So it was, yeah, from like when you heard our episode to when they when it ended. So don't feel too small. bad if you so missed it. So if you didn't vote, yeah. Though you should feel... Less guilty than I do. I technically had a couple days. <laughs> you had a, a couple days of extra notice. Yeah. Um, Oops. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't, I didn't vote either. But uh, the winner is number 435, also named Holly. Oh, congratulations, Holly. It wasn't Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, the picture of Holly. Wow. Holly got very fat. She she did get very fat. Good for Holly. Uh, if you were not listening to our episode last week, <laughs> Fat Bear Week has been an annual event for the past five years at Kotmai um, at National Park and Preserve in southwestern Alaska. And the idea of the event is to publicize and celebrate the process of bears eating as much as they can to build up crucial fat reserves for uh, winter hibernation. So... They set up a March Madness bracket and basically opened up voting to the public to vote for who the public thought were the best or fattest bears. Okay. So, yeah, and Holly won. Um, she actually won by a lot. Uh, her like she had at least seventy seventeen thousand five hundred votes, and um, I forgot to write this down now, but the, the second place person had only like 3,000 or something. It was like oh, very, wow. it was a very large difference. Very skewed in Holly's favor. Yeah. Um, I should have written down the exact number and I did not, and I apologize. <laughs> but <laughs> I wonder what criteria they people were voting based off of that would like skew the results that much. Yeah, I should have looked at this voting and I didn't <laughs> like over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> But I know that if you are a fan of the park, you can actually be watching these bears on live cams. Uh-huh. So I don't know, like a lot. I think a lot of people tune into these like webcams. So maybe if you're one of those people, you like actually so see like, certain bears, and it tells you like, oh, that was Holly or something. It's like reality know. TV, and you develop yeah. a particular bond with Holly or something. Maybe she was maybe, very prominent yeah. on the cameras, or yeah. Mm. Um, they did mention in the article that Holly was like very 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 diligent about like catching and eating the fish like she was like in the river like all the time oh like they, it said like they actually had a hard time getting a photo of her like just walking normally like outside of the water because <laughs> of how often she was just like waiting to like and eating and stuff so it's possible that she was in the live cams like all the time too gotcha so people she probably knew really she was. really preparing mm-hmm. yeah that would make yep. sense yep uh so there were 12 contestants this year. They're all coastal brown bears. Um, and the Alaskan waterway has one of the largest concentrations of sockeye salmon in the world. 
and the bears there take full advantage of that salmon population. Um, and the total number of votes cast overall um, in this competition this year was 187,000 votes. Wow. And that's more than three times last year's total. So this contest is just, I think, like growing in popularity every yeah. year. So thanks to, um, thanks to uh, outlets like us who uh, diligently report. Yeah. <laughs> um, we reported on it last year, and we should take some credit for yeah. spreading the word. No, I mean, 100,000 of those votes are probably probably you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in conclusion, they said that the bears are going to continue eating um, th- pretty much throughout the rest of October. And then around the end of the month or early November is when hibernation will probably begin. So you still have a chance to go look at them on the live cams if you want. Yeah, and so they'll still be active for a while. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. My first story is dinosaur news. We haven't had dinosaur news in a while. Yeah. I know. I've I've been slacking in my dinosaur news seeking. Uh, This is from Newsweek. Huge flying reptile that lived 96 million years ago discovered locked in ironstone, which is a, which is is a material. It's not okay. like a it's not like what a fortress. It's ironstone. Yeah, it just sounds like a really epic like. Sounds like something out of Game of Thrones. Like a either like a magical cage or something, or like a <laughs> castle, or I don't know. We discovered this magical cage many years ago. We finally <laughs> opened it, and it was a giant reptile. Uh, uh, this was uh, the most significant pterosaur fossil ever discovered in Australia. Uh, it was unearthed in the Winston area of central western Queensland. Uh, the newly discovered species is named Ferrodraco lentoni, uh, and it had a wingspan of about 13 feet, which is Ooh, which that's is a lot, a lot large. of feet. That's a big, a big pterodactyl. Uh, It lived around 96 million years ago, as I said, and was surprisingly similar to other pterosaurs from England, which suggests that these huge flying reptiles could traverse the globe with relative ease. They think that it means they literally flew across oceans to to populate other land masses um, because they're so similar to the ones that were discovered in England. Um, Pterosaurs are generally rare in the fossil record already since their bones are hollow and the outer bone in most instances is only about one millimeter thick, uh, only 15 pterosaur specimens have, been, have ever been scientifically described from Australia. So 15 like pterosaurs total like of any oh, species. Wow. Um, and many of them were incomplete. Um, and until recently, only two species of Australian pterosaur had been described. Uh, Mathunga uh, camera and, I like this one, Aussie Draco uh, Molnari. <laughs> Which were both based on skull uh, fossil skull fragments. All they had was the skull, hmm. essentially, or part of it. Um, this new pterosaur specimen, which was unveiled earlier in the uh, lazily named scientific journal Scientific Reports, <laughs> which I think we might have talked have about we? things from it before. I don't remember Scientific Sci- just Reports. Scientific Reports. Yeah, okay, it rings a bell. Yeah. It rings a bell. Um, this one includes a partial skull, five partial neck vertebrae, and bones from both the left and uh, right wings. Which wow, is that's a lot. very uncommon. Um, the genus name Ferrodraco refers to the fact that the winged reptile was found preserved in ironstone, as I alluded to earlier, which I think is just probably a stone that's high in iron. I don't I didn't actually look up. Never what heard that, that means. before. Yeah, I've never heard that term. 
Um, and the species name Lentoni honors former Winstonshire Mayor Graham, quote, Butch Lenton. <laughs> uh, this is, nickname was Bush, I guess, uh, which is in recognition of his service to the community. So oh, that's a neat that's little nice. shout out. Uh, the pterosaur remains were found in the banks of a creek and had likely been exposed to the elements for several years, which is also apparently pretty unusual. Um, hmm. They said had the bones not been infiltrated by iron-rich fluids, which ultimately became the ironstone, uh, these fossils would have been lost to erosion many years ago. So it's kind of like amazing that they even found these, wow. that they were preserved at all, and they were so like close to the surface they said it was actually relatively quick turnaround from discovery to publishing, like in archaeology or uh, paleontology terms. So wow, but yeah, thirteen cool thirteen foot wingspan. Yeah, so I was just thinking, I was like, that's like two people. That's like more than two people. That's yeah, that's that's more than two people stacked on top of each other, but then turned horizontally to make on the wings. ground. Yeah. Lying down. So kind straight. of like if you had a third person in the middle with a person on each arm and they were flapping those people. Yeah. That's about what you would have. Yeah. Which is a weird visual and also it, terrifying. <laughs> it's a weird visual, but the sizing is right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, uh, we wouldn't have to be too scared of them if they were around today, though, because they speculate their diet was primarily fish. They probably couldn't, hmm. have, couldn't have eaten a person even if they wanted to. Okay. So. I guess. Which that, makes me wish they were real. and Or not, I mean, yeah, they're like, real, but, but, makes them, but makes me wish they yeah. were around because it would be really cool to see one of those things flying through the oh, air. Oh, yeah, that'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. I just, I can't, I can't even imagine something that has the ability to fly across the whole ocean because I don't think. Yeah. Anything is like that now, right? Are there I any birds don't. that can fly across the whole, like a, the Atlantic Ocean? I doubt it, but I've I, never heard yeah, that. I don't know for sure. I mean, maybe things are able to kind of like glide, like if they can like get caught in a wind current or something and yeah, just not actually like have to exert sure themselves. Like but you'd need food and stuff. Really long distance traveling birds. It's just that, like, I don't think any of them do that, you know? Yeah. So imagining something doing that is just amazing to me. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Okay, my next story is space news. This is from Newsweek. The headline is, Lab-grown meat produced in space for first time aboard the International Space Station. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there are so many things you could just do in space for the first time. I, I know. I know. <laughs> first, it's first funny. person to button a shirt with 16 buttons on it in space. Uh, uh. First person to cut a watermelon on themselves <laughs> in space. Um, okay. So an Israeli startup has successfully cultured lab-grown meat in space. The first time this has been achieved. <laughs> in a proof-of-concept experiment, Aleph Farm, which I'm now not sure if it's the name of the company or the name of a person, in collaboration with partners 3D Bioprinting Solutions, Meal Source Technologies, and Finless Foods, produced the meat aboard the International Space Station, which orbits the Earth at an average altitude of about 250 miles. 
The latest method, which requires fewer resources in traditional animal farming, which is pretty obvious, could <laughs> potentially be used in the future to produce food on long space missions. The company harvested cow cells on Earth before launching them to the International Space Station. Uh -huh. And then in the Russian segment of the space station, astronauts created small-scale muscle tissue from the cells using a 3D bioprinter in microgravity conditions. The company says the experiment demonstrates that this cell cultivation process can generate food using minimal resources. Recent scientific research has highlighted how traditional animal farming is a significant driver of climate change and that cutting down on meat and dairy products is one of the best ways for individuals to curb their carbon footprint. Lab-grown meat has been touted as one potential way to help mitigate the environmental impact of the animal farming industry as demand for meat rises around the world. Um, at the moment, no true lab-cultivated meat products are commercially available. However, this situation could change in the next few years as technology improves. So it, the, the last part of the article was just how, like, the technology they were testing there is applicable on Earth, too. It wasn't, like, only sure. applicable in space. <laughs> this this but, technique can only be used in anti-gravity yeah. <laughs> situations. But, uh, only for floating yeah, meat. Yeah. Maybe they could, like, make, generate meat in space. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a pretty a pretty cool option for if we ever do have like long distance space yeah. travel for, for producing food on the go without having to shoot some full ca full cows up into space, mm -hmm. and, which would be a fairly limited source of food. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the benefit risk ratio there would probably not be yeah. good shooting like a capsule with like a, couple of cows in it or something like <laughs> up to the space station. So now I'm just picturing like a glass pill, like, but a cow-sized pill, <laughs> with just like a cow just in it, yeah, <laughs> just launched in the. Uh, that's that's fun. like kind of what I was picturing too. Yeah, I don't think that would work out so well. No, for anyone. Really. No, I don't think so, so either. This is probably a better option. My next story is technology news. This is from Ars Technica. Uh, Essential's new smartphone has the aspect ratio of a TV remote. What? Yeah, that's a fair response. Have you heard of the company Essential? Because I no. don't think I actually ever have. But it's no. a, there's a company called Essential, and this article really rips into them. Uh, <laughs> despite having no discernible income since the flop of the Essential phone in 2017, which I'd never heard of, yeah. uh, canceling the Essential phone sequel, canceling its smart home device, being put up for sale, laying off 30% of its staff, and having an incredibly problematic founder and CEO, which I won't even get into, but there's like oh. misconduct allegations okay. against him. Uh, the company Essential is somehow still around and is teasing a new smartphone on Twitter. Uh, this phone is called uh, uh, currently called Project Gem, and it's a tall, ultra-skinny smartphone that kind of looks like if you had taken a normal smartphone and just cut it in half, and that was like the size of the phone. So it's like real, real skinny. I've got pictures. Um, they say it is, appears to run some version of Android, but doesn't have access to Google's Play Store because like all the apps are just like generic and proprietary. Um, images show what looks like a home screen, which shows off a clock widget, a music widget, and app icons that live in a two by two grid of tiles. Um, a lot of those apps seem to have widgets, like the clock and the music one, but only four of these widgets can fit on the screen at once. So, like, it's kind of a limited like usefulness because you'd have to scroll to get to like all your stuff. 
and they also pointed out how input would work on a device like this is unclear because a normal keyboard would be essentially unusable on a display this skinny. It's just, it's just this article I, just rips into it, I'm and I like, love it. I'm li- I'm just sitting here listening to this right now with my mouth just open. Yeah, like, I just want everyone to know yeah, that. I just I don't know how you are supposed to respond to a, a device that sound this, sounds this stupid. Um, but people are speculating that it's probably mostly interacted with by, a, by your voice, which sounds terrible for any device in this day and age. Um, I will say, like, when I first saw it, I thought, that's kind of a cool idea. And then I immediately started thinking about actually using it. Um, I'm interested to see it. It basically oh. looks like an iPhone cut in half. Vertically. Okay, that's not that bad looking at first glance for yeah. sure. I, it's kind uh, of like a like a really tall Apple Watch. <laughs> See, I feel like it's wider than I was imagining. Yeah. So that's what it looks like with like four of those widgets where it can only fit them on screen. Like it just seems like okay. a really it questionable. It just seems like a like it's something the ma- <laughs> it just seems like something that would have a lot of the like bells and whistles type features without the really basic fundamental features of, of a, a given phone. of a of a smartphone <laughs> yeah seriously it's yeah. like oh well, that's a good way to you put have it. maps you have widgets you have voice activated stuff okay well it what about has... just typing a f- number like how do you yeah. do that how like, do you put in how do you make text yeah like how do you text someone like it has this giant bump on the back for the camera too which i think is kind of questionable but how do you view pictures too like are they gonna be either really <laughs> small or in question. a weird aspect are they ratio? gonna be in like a really skinny aspect <laughs> yeah. ratio you'll no, know when you show up really small you'll know when you're following one of those people on instagram because all the pictures will take up a third of the space <laughs> Okay, if it takes pictures in the weird aspect ratio, that is so funny. I highly doubt it, but that would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it look it kind of well, you said TV remote earlier. Like that's yeah. what it reminds me of like it a, looks a lot like super a, fancy like a smart TV smart remote. remote kind of a device, mm-hmm. not a smartphone. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, I just saw this and I I had to share it because I just it's so it's so weird to look at. It's like it is weird. I mean, I you know what? I I have to say I do applaud people for coming up with like interesting different ideas. Right, like it's the foldable like, phones and that kind yeah. of thing too, just as different form factors, but I But you have to have a clear value add. Right. Right? So what is theirs? Is theirs that like oh this fits in your pocket easier? Yeah, which What is it? Yeah. That's the only thing I just thought of. Right. <laughs> Like okay, that's not great. Uh huh. Come up with something else and tell me what your value add is. Like, yeah, I cannot think of anything right now other than that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, there's, there's. I mean, I guess it fits easily in one hand, but like, so mm. does a regular size. Maybe you can phone. like reach certain places on the screen with your thumb more easily. Yeah, with I that design. Like, yeah, maybe. Because you're technically reaching half as far. I don't know. Because I have that problem. I mean, I know with like my, with your phone. At least with the iPhones, there's like a way that you can get it to like yeah, you like double tap on the thing. Yeah, it like comes down or whatever. Yeah. But like, I have to say that has been a, still an annoying thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually have big hands too. Yeah, like objectively large hands <laughs> for a woman. And so the fact that like I 
the screen is like too big for me to like th- reach things comfortably. Sometimes I feel like for most women, they, they probably have that problem. Sure. So like, if maybe that was their idea. Yeah, I know. It just <laughs> I'm grasping a straw. It here. almost feels like they didn't think beyond. Let's make a phone that's half as wide. Like that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eh. Who knows? I mean, there's probably a reason they're struggling so much. So, I just, also I agree with the author of that article. Like, how did they get to this point where they have this prototype? With if all that other stuff happened yeah, to them, I don't know. I don't know. They must have some really dedicated investors or something. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, my next story is animal news. <laughs> This is from Fox News. The headline is... <laughs> I basically... I just picked this story because I just thought that the name chosen... That a new species was discovered, and I thought that the name chosen for it was just very absurd. That's a valid reason to bring a story. Okay. We've definitely had dumber reasons. The headline is, 30 million-year-old tiny, quote, mold pigs seen Ew. by scientists. Mold pigs. Ew. Okay. I hate that. Fossils preserved in amber have revealed a new type of microinvertebrate that lived on Earth 30 million years ago. The findings by George Poinar Jr. of Oregon State University's College of Science provide a rare glimpse of this unique invertebrate. Poinar calls the animals mold pigs because of A, their resemblance to swine, and B, their diet. According to his findings... The mold pigs were about 100 micrometers long, or micrometer? Uh, I've heard both. (laughs) Both ways. Um, 100 long. (laughs) 100 units long. (laughs) 100 units. (laughs) Uh, With flexible heads and four pairs of legs. They apparently grew by shedding their exoskeleton and primarily ate fungus, or mold, what's what they called that, um, as well as other small invertebrates. Uh, The findings were published recently in the journal Invertebrate Biology. Based on what is now known, this appears to represent a new phylum. Hmm. So this is the photo of it. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the guy that discovered this took that photo and called that a mold pig. And I I don't know. It's upsetting to me. It's just such a weird name. I don't like it. It looks a little bit like a tardigrade. And they at least called those water bears. Okay, I have less of a problem with that name, but it is similarly absurd, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, but it, at least it's not disgusting. Yeah. Not like mold pig. Mold pig? Mold pig versus water bear. Yeah. Um, fun fact, they actually mentioned tardigrades in this and that they know that they're from a different line of like phylum or whatever, or that hierarchy in the like animal naming because uh-huh. of some type of trait that they had like they're not the same even though they actually do have some similar characteristics anyway that's the whole story and um this thing was discovered it's a new phylum the guy decided to call it a mold pig so now that's what it is never that's what it is he had the power to do that and that's that's what it is yeah with great power comes great responsibility and he screwed up exactly exactly my next story is entertainment news This is from IndieWire. Robert Downey Jr. bluntly turns down his own Avengers Oscar campaign. 
Oh. Uh, and I'll get to it while it, why it's blunt. Um, so Disney launched its 2019 four-year consideration website at the start of October and confirmed it would be campaigning for Avengers Endgame in Oscar categories such as Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Visual Effects, Best Costume Design, and apparently more. Um, wow. They're really going all out for it. Yeah. Um, uh, the Endgame for Your Consideration page upset thousands of Marvel movie fans, though, for not featuring an acting bid for Robert Downey Jr., um, but it turns out that he actually has no interest in an awards campaign for his final outing as Tony Stark slash Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so he appeared on the October 7th edition of Howard Stern's SiriusXM talk show where the radio host expressed frustration with Oscars voters for not taking a superhero movie role like Downey's seriously. Um, Stern said, because it's a superhero movie, they turn their noses up at it. The performance is excellent. It's a totally believable character, which I thought was a very nice yeah. compliment. I, I would tend to agree. I, I thought, agree, too. I thought Robert Downey Jr. did a great job. Um, uh, Downey responded, um, I'm so glad you brought this up because there was some talk about an Oscar campaign. And he said, let's not. <laughs> that, okay. was, that was his response to, to them talking about it. was just, let's not. Blunt, well, as they said. Yeah. Um, uh, so <laughs> this article speculates that uh, director and Marvel co- uh, co-star John Favreau has been advocating, uh, or they speculate that he might be disappointed because he's been advocating for a Downey Oscar nomination since the release of the movie back in April. So like, he's got people who have kind of been like fighting for this for him, but apparently Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want it at all. Hmm. Um, and they also speculate about whether voters would even uh, go for an, another comic book character in a year where Joaquin Phoenix's Joker performance is also going to be trying for a Best Actor nomination. Oh. And I've apparently heard that's a very good performance. So Yeah. Um, there's, I haven't seen that yet. I would like to, though. Yeah. And people are wondering, like, is that going to influence whether they would even consider him? But uh, mm. he doesn't want it. So <laughs> I wonder why he doesn't want it. Yeah, I don't know. Why wouldn't you? I, want I'm really not sure that that they didn't. Obviously, he didn't really go into yeah. detail. He only said he didn't want to. I don't know. I really can't think of a reason why someone <laughs> wouldn't want to at least be like considered for it. I mean, yeah. maybe he just doesn't want to like have to put in the effort to campaign for himself, or doesn't want to deal with the. Like at this point, he's Effort, like or? totally rich from these movies. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just he's like becoming I'm a done. real life version <laughs> of <laughs> Tony Stark. I mean, he's, he's like, just I'm in done. a mansion somewhere. Yeah. He's just like, I just want to distance myself from this, and I'm tired. Yeah, of Yeah, maybe all he's this, busy maybe? Inv- inventing robots and flying super suits and that. Yeah, kind of that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool that, if he turned out to be the would, real life Iron Man. That would be pretty sweet. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see the movie about that. <laughs> They make a movie about real life Robert Downey Jr. Becoming and how Iron he... Man after being in the Iron Man movies. Yeah. That should be made. Yeah. That should be. A and movie. then they should nominate whoever that. plays Robert Downey Jr. for an Oscar for Best Actor. But he wouldn't play himself? Maybe he wouldn't want to play himself. I was going to say, I don't think he'd want to. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would take away from the whole concept, though, yeah. if it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. I would go see that if that was a real movie. Oh, 100%. That sounds ridiculously meta, and I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Ironstone. Ready, set, Go! go!
Okay, I found this on VentureBeat, and the headline is Researchers Develop AI That Can Play Angry Birds. Hmm. So some people in Prague have trained an algorithm to play Angry Birds, and apparently it's really good. I think. Okay, so it plays it well. That's an important yeah. qualifier. Um, so... Okay, in order to train the model, the research team compiled a data set of 21 levels of angry birds, um, and they split up each level into, like, a bunch of screenshots, I think with, like, probably, like, shooting the thing and then, like, the outcome, Uh and, like, those pairs, Um, and then they, like, trained it on that, and, uh, like, apparently the thing they trained was able to surpass a group of four expert human players scores on some of the levels. How do you get how do you become qualified as an Angry Birds expert? I don't know. Do oh. they have tournaments of it or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's probably just like some people on the team that are like, "Oh, I've played this for years." Like and, the, and they're real, calling themselves an expert. You guys, I'm real good at Angry Birds. <laughs> I got my PhD in Angry people. Birds. <laughs> um yeah, so like certain levels it didn't do as well on, but like some of them it was able to do better than four people. That's pretty impressive. Like independently. So yeah. And oh, apparently there's an Angry Birds AI competition. Oh. I see now. Um <laughs> This is how you know it's breaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't read this all the way through um before I, we started recording this, but um it's it's on the fly. It is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, apparently this someone some organization has a conference. They started a yearly conference for AI where they give it like brand new levels that no one's seen, and you have to like test your algorithm on it. Oh wow! And you can win that competition. Huh? And apparently they've done this for a couple years already. I think they started it in 2017, actually. So oh, we're gonna have to now? we're gonna have to start covering it like Fat Bear Week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We maybe we should. <laughs> I'm interested in this. Yeah. So the authors just said their goals, that, like their goal is basically to outperform humans in Angry Birds. Like, I, I would say it's an admirable goal. It's not, but <laughs> I would say I that mean, it's cool if that technology could then be applied to something actually productive for society. Yeah. Which is my hope. I'm, I, <laughs> um, ideally. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Find some way to adapt it to like an AI used to like destroy buildings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Const- controlled uh, destruction. Oh. But, I thought you were like, no, no. I thought you were like. Not like a weapon of war. Diabol- yeah. <laughs> no, like controlled demolition. Demolition, demolition is the word that I was that it's for. like. Yeah. Let's do this in a controlled way and make yeah. sure that it doesn't go, it, like, that everything goes as planned. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Sure. And take out as many green pigs in that building yeah, as possible. Yeah, for sure. And if there's any mold pigs in there, let's just take those out, too. Yeah, get, the, get those out of there. I found this on fizz.org, which I've explained before as P-H-Y-S. Oh, yeah. Not, not like soda. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, back from the dead. Some corals regrow after fatal warming. Fatal is in quotes because obviously if it had been fatal, they wouldn't have 
Yeah, which is supposed to be like, well, um, if it was actually <laughs> fatal, then it... Um, but for yeah. the first time ever, this is, this is like actually really good news. Uh, for the first time ever, scientists have found corals that were thought to have been killed by heat stress. Um, and they found corals that recovered from what they thought had killed oh. them. Um, this was a chance discovery made by Diego K. Kirsting from the Frey University of Berlin and the University of Barcelona uh, during diving expeditions in the Spanish Mediterranean. Um, so they've been uh, he's been carrying out with his team this uh, long-term monitoring of 243 colonies of endangered reef-building coral uh, called Cladocora caispitosa since 2002. So they've been hmm. monitoring it for a long time. Oh, wow. Um, and at some point, they saw living polyps in that colony, which uh, they thought that they thought the colony was completely dead. Um, corals are made up of hundreds of thousands of tiny creatures called polyps. I think we've talked about this before. Um, that secrete a hard outer skeleton of calcium carbonate and attach themselves to the uh, ocean floor. Heat waves can kill these animals. So that's what had been happening. Um, that's when you hear about like coral bleaching. That's yeah. because like they've all been killed. Um, but the researchers found that in 38% of the impacted colonies, the polyps had devised a survival strategy where they shrink themselves, um, partly abandoning their original skeleton, and then gradually over a period of several years start growing back and start a new skeleton, like a new skeleton oh. of calcium carbonate. Um, and they were uh, able to gradually recolonize dead areas through this, through, through budding and like this process. Wow. Um, it's really slow is the main thing. Um, and the, uh, the article points out that uh, as good of news as this is, this, these like fatal heat waves are occurring like every summer, every other summer. So that's way so too often. So it's way too often if we don't do something to combat climate change, like mm-hmm. they can't grow fast enough to fight back. But if we were able to do something, there's a chance they could recover, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Which is something we didn't realize they could do. Good. <laughs> good news. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's good news. It's just also bad news. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a hopeful note. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a chance for things to recover if we start making changes. Yeah. <laughs> which is, right. which is cool. Right. So it's good to know that we're not like past some point in a return. Well, for something for the coral, <laughs> right? Potentially, <laughs> at least I that. hope. Hopefully, okay. It's a hopeful note. It's a hopeful. Yeah, it's hopeful. If we keep saying, hope. if we keep saying it's hopeful, <laughs> it'll be hopeful. So we have to have hope. Just okay, glass half full. Yeah, a exactly. Bowl exactly. That's how I live. That's how I live. Glass yeah. half full. All right, that's our show. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This episode has been pre-recorded in front of a live studio audience. Which is my, oh, I was going to say, which is my dog. Oh. He's also not even here. Also, it's the person doing this clapping. Yeah. It's definitely not me. (laughs) Okay.